Hello and welcome, folks, to another edition of RSF Radio. I am your host, Joe Monday. Today is October 11th, episode 60. And you know what that music means. We've got a very special guest with us tonight. That's right. You might know him from First Attack. You might know him from his tutorial series on Street Fighter V. But you might go back and watch his Bison tutorials from Street Fighter IV. That's right. I've got Mono PR on the mic. How you doing? How you doing, man? Okay. I'm good and tired, man. Good and tired. Just like every goddamn day. The grind never ends. But you've... So if people don't know or haven't been or just only listen to the show, uh, our Street Fighter has sponsored Mono PR to go to Canada Cup. He'll be going uh, to compete. But if you have missed his performances uh, this CPT season, uh, you might have been able to catch that a little bit um, at Fighting Fest, uh, where you got fourth place. Yeah, fourth one and more. Yeah. Talk to me about the run up to fourth because actually, no, you know what? We'll it get was to a really that. long run. <laughs> we'll, we'll, a- we'll get to that in a minute because I've, I've overstepped my intro uh, because I always start off the show. Whenever I have a guest on, I'm going to reel it back to the start uh, because usually with, when people have guests on the show on most podcasts, they hold off the pitching stuff at the end of whatever they got going on and people turn off the podcast before they even get to hear about all the cool shit you've got going on. So let me ask you now, uh, where or what should people look forward to with what you're doing or what you're doing in your part of the world? Well, currently in Puerto Rico, like it's good that you asked because actually this week we will be revealing the date for First Attack 2019, Mm -hmm. which is obviously something that people are looking forward to to knowing when it is. Obviously, because it's like a make the vacation tournament and the fact that like it's beautiful island, you get to go to the beaches and stuff. So like all the internationals that come are just hyped about it. So yeah, we'll be announcing that, posting up a video actually for it, so awesome. people can look forward to that. And also here, like I'm currently just doing uh, miniature events, like because I, I host many of the esports events in Puerto Rico. Right. like the, the major ones and we have one that's around uh february uh we actually extended it last year up to the end of march because of hurricane maria so because we still weren't with power like uh, everywhere but this uh we're having like i uh, host all the those events i'm currently trying to get back on doing the shadowloo bootcamp tutorials hopefully i'm able to start off with fang and bison hopefully mm-hmm. soon by november right after canada cup Hulk. And um, let's see. I just found, I also got the the Reddit shirts, and I also received one from Matcharino actually. Just to, yeah, I want to give a shout out to everybody who's been pitching in on the campaign. It's actually funny. And, uh, I don't know if I told you that was coming. No, actually, no. I I, I saw it this uh, yesterday, actually. Yeah, sorry, my... sorry about that. Yeah, yeah, I saw that, and uh, and somebody from a friend, I guess somebody else, uh, purchased the Fang shirt and they sent it as a gift. So like Sick. now I have like two Fang shirts, like a purple one and a blue one. That's awesome. And the red Street Fighter uh, shirt. So yeah, I'm I'm good to go with like I, I got the whole set of fashion for when I go to Canada Cup. Yeah, you've got days. the swag. You've got yeah, you've yeah. got it all. Uh, yeah, it was actually funny. The Matcharino people are men. I'm not being paid to say this, but they're incredible. 
No, they're pretty cool. Of... I, got to, I, I got to work with them like uh, last year. Oh, word. What was your, uh, what was that yeah, experience? For first, not for first attack, for some exhibitions that we were trying to, to set up hmm. uh, last year. I remember Maturino like helped us out a bit. Because they, they always like try to, uh, to help out with events to like uh, get them more exposure. And yeah. first attack has, has always been like on the radar, but slowly, obvious, obviously becoming more international each year. So that kind of helped because we've also worked with um, like controller chaos, um, gaming generations, other other types of entities that are mostly seeing in international events, not usually Latin America. Mm-hmm. So that was cool. <clears throat> no, that is awesome. That they're one of the they're on my short list of esports companies who work with the FGC and like listen to what the FGC has to say, and also provides them great support with any event that they run in my experience. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's, true. that's actually awesome to hear like from a total outside perspective uh, or not outside, but a completely different perspective of, yeah, they helped us out with our event and it was awesome. So that's, I don't know. That's cool. Guys, anyone listening, check out Maturino. They do good stuff. <laughs> Get some, some beard you. oil. It was very good. Yeah, I really, I really, really thankful for them and for everybody that pitched and supported uh, the Reddit, plus the Teespring campaigns and Maturino. I saw Combo Queens also donated like a huge amount and Uyu, so that was yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, Team UIU too. Like I, there, hmm. I don't know if I want to get into specifically how esports teams are run. Perhaps we will later on in the show because of the okay. news about Echo Fox, uh, yeah. but. I I dig the direction that Team UIU has done, and just a little bit of a maybe a teaser on this. I think that they actually do see good returns from the people that they slap their name on, in terms of like clickbacks or like people looking at the products that they are putting on their website from like investors who invest in UIU. Like they're definitely not in the, in the black. I don't think they're in the black. I don't think any sports company is, or like sponsorship team is, it's kind of a weird umbrella term, but I think they're doing a good job at least of like showing returns to their investors but that's a whole other conversation because uh, you've got other stuff tell me about the scene in puerto rico well the scene is um the scene in particular is pretty active like they're they don't get to travel as much because of the fact that like i mean latin america in general doesn't have like renowned sponsorship teams so they're like i travel mostly out of my own pocket or campaigns like which are as gracious as Reddit right now that are able to help me go. But uh, other players that are really good here, like uh, some of them, one of them actually went to me with e- to Evo, which was Olivo. He's a Nibuki player from Puerto Rico. Like he's, prob- he's pretty much or probably the second best player here. Like I-, I usually win most of the tournaments here. So if you ask like Puerto Rico, like I hope Capcom never asks for feedback because they will all say that Fang is too cheap. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, the, the unfortunate part of being the the biggest shark in the pool yeah uh, they think that thing needs nerfs and i'm like guys please don't go to twitter <laughs> this is not gonna help so but yeah it's like, like please you guys are really downplaying how good i am which doesn't come across very well when you're talking to a room full of people 
<laughs> yeah, but the matchup with Ibuki is actually, it's not that bad for Fang because I've actually had really good results with Ibuki players. Like, I've managed to play casuals with uh, Siana and Fujimura, and it hasn't been like, you know, it's, uh, I remember I, play, I played a set, a casual set with Siana, it was like 5 4 Sian, mm-hmm. and then I played with Fujimura, it was 3 2 Fujimura. Like, it wasn't like a complete, like, I played NL, and that was a 5 0. Like, that Kami Fang is another different dimension world. But back to the Puerto Rico scene. Um, well, there's also a Rashid player that's pretty pretty high up. Uh, but I know that next year they're traveling more because of a lot of the things. Is that when they, it's usually like the inspiration that a few of us that manage to leave give them. Because there are other players also for Dragon Ball and um, and other games like uh, Marvel, even Marvel, and they get to travel like. More people here are like, damn man, I, I think like I can do good because if these guys do good and I kind of go toe to toe with them. So, and I'm actually like, I used to do events back then. I, I don't get to do it as much because like real life stuff, <laughs> but yeah. besides running events, but I used to run like pro fund events to actually like make a pot to like send players to other events. I used to do that like five years ago or four years ago. And we would do tournaments for each category, and each category at the end, it was like a mini circuit. And at the end, it would be by points. And the highest points would get to go to an event. So we managed, I managed to send, I remember, like four players to CEO in 2012 or something like that, 2013. Oh, that's sick. Yeah. But like, the, like was it basically raising money through like entry fees? Really, through events. The events we were raising money to, okay. to help out. But each category had its own prize pool, uh, its own fund. Right. So the, the community itself was like, it didn't feel like all the communities were pitching in for one game for one player. It was each community would pitch in. And if they did not reach the goal, like I would try to put the rest from my part to help them out. Like uh, by that time, I remember Soul Calibur 4, I think was out. Mm-hmm. So I remember like Soul Calibur 4 didn't reach the full goal. So I pitched in the, the what was left. Yeah. So like four players managed to go that year. So that was pretty cool. Like, and and there, there's a really good scene, and I'm glad that a lot of them seeing me travel or doing well in the CPT or at events has giving them a bit more confidence to actually go. Or when people come to first attack and they do really well, because obviously a lot of internationals come to first attack. Right. Like VR is a very strong scene, so they get to play with them. Uh, Panama Doomsnake came this year as well. Like he came last year, but he had like a bad, uh, bad luck. Because his flight got delayed and he left Saturday morning and he tried to make it in time, but he pulls like he got too late for pools. So he got the but he arrived to the event, but he arrived too late. I was like, damn, man, that sucks. That's unfortunate. This time he he got in like on Thursday. He's like, no, no, I'm not making that same mistake twice. (laughs) Ah, well. It can't can't work out all the time. That's probably going to be me going to Canada Cup. I'm probably going to miss my pools. Mostly because I'm leaving on Friday, Friday yeah. night after work, driving up. So I'm probably going to miss most of Friday, but no matter. I'll see you guys there on Saturday. It'll be a good time. Uh, but yeah. tell me about, so th- you were telling me about another sponsorship opportunity you had uh, through the Fong Discord. Uh, oh, yeah, that was, that, that was last year. when um, Last year when uh, Hurricane Maria uh, hit Puerto Rico, mm-hmm. it was, uh, first attack was September... One and two, oh no, uh, two and three, I think. The week after, that, that same week after First Attack ha- uh, stopped, ended, Hurricane Maria, Hurricane Irma came to Puerto Rico. But it wasn't, it just passed by. Right. 
then two weeks next, come back and we get Hurricane Maria. And that was the week of SoCal regionals. So, and I already had my flight and everything to go to SCR. But when the hurricane came, since it devastated, like everybody saw about this in the hurricane devastated most of the island, like by far a lot. Right. So only like 10 commercial flights were leaving per day. So my flight got canceled. So I didn't get to go. At least they refunded the money and stuff. But I wasn't able to travel. And I was high up in the CBT by that time. I had like 400 something points, I remember. And I, I, and I had, was qualifying for, I needed a few more points to, for, for Capcom Cup. But right. for regionals, I was pretty okay. But the Fang Discord wanted to pitch in to actually help me out to get more points to have a Fang at Capcom Cup because that was like the dream. Obviously, right, it could have happened. Yeah, yeah, and um, they pitched in with the, a campaign where they did like a design for a Fang shirt, and within the proceeds that they did on the, there was a Teespring campaign, and I was able to go to Canada Cup thanks to that. So I'm really grateful for the Fang Discord for actually like supporting. Not just me, but other players as well, because they did the same for Dust Games, which is the Japanese Fang. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did it for other players as well. So they always try to do stuff to help out for players to attend to the events or get points, actually, or have representation in CPT. So that, that year, I was able to get the Canada Cup because of them. So I'm really thankful for that. Yeah, that's cool when character discords are like that. Because there are some bad character discords that are... I would say not run as community based as that one is, but the, the Fang discord in general, I think is like, that's, that's pretty sweet. That's pretty awesome. You guys got, yeah, I was, I was personally overwhelmed <laughs> cause I'm like, I know I play Fang, I know I'm good, but I didn't expect to have this much support, you know? And yeah. same thing with the, with the Reddit. Like when I saw all the feedback, like people voting for, for Marine, me and cool kid, I was like, wow, I can't believe we have like, all the, that many votes. I can't believe I have that many votes, you know? Because, like, it's, it's still, like, um, overwhelming when you see, like, uh, the playing or the, the work that you put into a character and uh, traveling and doing good at events actually pays off to the fact that you have people that follow or that feel inspired by, by you sticking to your character, like the character loyalist, I guess. Yeah, as a Geef main, I feel that. Where some matchups just feel unwinnable, I think to myself, eh, at least I'm sticking with the character. Yeah, like Manat. <laughs> that is yeah, that's the one matchup in this game where I'm like, I should just learn a different character for this one matchup. Yeah, this that one matchup you should just play like Abigail. Or something just like this that. one, just the one. Just the one. Yeah. It's like just stand jab and stand medium punch alone, or like how do you how do you get around? You have to like those? Get- you would have to guess like three jumps. No, that is, that is exactly it, is that you need to have very good jumps and you need to make that happen at least three times because off of a knockdown, you don't get Oki yeah. off a of lariat. So you can either try and get... Anyway, that's enough. I'm Listen, when I we start talking about Geef, I can go down a Geef. I can I go think they're nerfing him to buff him in season four, like give him a green hand and then like <laughs> That's the thing that I feel if you buff Geef, it would be too, he's too easy to break. He's too easy to make too strong, in my opinion. Yeah, that's true. I mean, Fang, Fang's worst matchup, like I'm, an, I'm Fang's worst matchup is Manat by far. Oh, really? Tell me about yeah. that, actually, because I want to I hear you speak or um, speak intelligently on the character. 
Well, I have here, obviously. Well, well, she's the only reason I'm actually considering Bison for that matchup. So <laughs> I'm actually, but the reason that that matchup is like incredibly bad is because her stand fierce and stand strong. Stand fierce. Let's start with stand fierce. Stand fierce goes mm. through carpet because it doesn't have a hurt box. So I can't set up carpets. Oh shit! I didn't even think about that. I can't do the up balls if I'm too close because she gets to do fierce and she yeah. still gets the block. Right. Um, she can throw the orb. She can blow it up. There are things that Fang can do. Like if she, if she throws the orb, Fang can actually get in because he can command dash through and start pressure. But a smart, intelligent manap in the matchup. I'm, I'm not just saying that it's not that a smart thing to do because throwing the orb is a good mix-up, but you don't really need to use it versus Fang. You just need to play with your normals. That's it. Because you get all the grave damage because he has to keep blocking the fierce. Mm -hmm. He can't do a carpet. He can't do up balls. He can't jump because his jump's so floaty that even if she whiffs stand fierce, she still has time to do crouch fierce as an anti-air. So you can't react to her fierce of a jump. You actually have to legit guess. Yes. In order to get the punish. And... Aside from that, she's a three-framer, so you can't do roundhouse because she'll stop the pressure with standing short. She'll get the trade, then she'll do jab, then strong, then fierce. You're back to neutral, and you're like... So you, that matchup, like, I've, I've even been, like, trying both V-Triggers to try to find a solution, but it's still hard. Like, I use V-Trigger 2 now. Again, I, I, I went to V-Trigger 1. I went back to V-Trigger 2 because I'm like, you know what? I just need something that lets me go crazy on her <laughs> because, like... The mix-ups on V-Trigger 2 are so hard, are hard to block versus Fang. So it's like, if I touch her um, and I get the knockdown, I might be able to take the win, you know? But it has to be like that, you know? Yeah, because her defense after being knocked down isn't fantastic. <clears throat> it's not the best. Exactly. And her V-Reversal, you can punish it right. every time. Uh, the only good thing that you can do, but you need meter, is that if she does the Fierce and it whiffs, you can do EX uh, Sotoya, which is uh, the Sleeves. The sleeves. You can do that as a whiff punish, and then you get the knockdown, and then you go forward. But hmm. even so, it's really hard because the matchup in itself, like she, like I played Justin like a first to ten, and I'm pretty sure it went like either ten zero or ten one, pretty much. Rough. And it's because he's a he super he normal heavies man. He doesn't have to do like I have to put so much work, and she only really needs to use like three normals. That's it. Yeah, like strong, stand, stand fierce, fierce, fierce yeah. and roundhouse. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a really hard matchup. Like every any Fang player will tell you that it's like the worst match. It used to be Cami, Guile, but even Cami got leveled down a bit because of the fact that they nerfed dive kicks on block. And since Fang got buffed on damage, plus V trigger two, it kind of pans out, you know. And versus Guile, Guile is still like a hard matchup, but Fang can actually like contest in the zoning part like you can actually like work around the booms you just have to be like uh, aware of the speeds because if he does if he does light boom and you do up balls to land in the middle like you do medium up balls to keep them in the center so that he can't jump over the boom so that way you get to block or slide under the boom and he can't punish it if he does fierce boom then you get to do light carpet or command dash immediately but you can't command dash on the light one because He's already recovered, so he'll get the punish. So you have to know which boom you have to do what. Hmm. You know? Speaking of the Guile matchup, 
can we talk about your match against Kaba or maybe even the lead up to that matchup? Because if people well, missed I, it and they didn't see it, but ooh. Fighting Fest DR happened and you placed fourth. It was yeah. a hell of a performance, I'll say. Um, I will I will give you so much of a story with that event because oh, I was do. I'm sitting would, I'm I'm waiting in bated breath here. You you must yeah. tell the story then. I was legit not going to fighting fest. Up oh, until shit. Friday. Friday, I remember I was congratulating uh, the organizer and stuff. I was like, oh, I hope you guys have a good event because I wasn't going. And after that, like a few of the players found out because I guess he told them, oh, Mono's not going or whatever. And then like they were like, dude, and even the organizer said, like, if you manage to come, you don't have to worry about where you have to stay. Like, we'll, we'll cover you with that. I'm like, Okay, that's cool. Thanks. I, I really appreciate stuff. But they, they were like, but they were insisting, man, you have to come. You've come to every event in the DR. Like, you have to come. <laughs> right. It, it won't be the same if you're not here. I'm like, damn, man. You guys are really hitting me where it hurts. So, like, in the end, they convinced me. And I bought a flight at 4 p.m. Friday to go to the event Saturday morning. So, wow. because Puerto Rico to DR, the flight is like 30 minutes. Like, it's a really short flight. It's the shortest flight I can ever have to go to a ranking. Wow, okay. So I left 6 a.m. I arrived at 7, more or less. I arrived to the venue. I waited. I picked casuals. Since I went, decided to go the last day, I had not registered. So I had to do emergency registration. Ah, but okay. There was also a death pool. You didn't go to pools. You had to play a death pool to right. get in. So I had to play a death pool of about 40 to 50 people. Death pool there was 40 to 50 people. Yeah. Whoa. Was it so I had to, some people who were want? Because sometimes the trick is to want to get into the death pool. I know. The thing is that only one makes it out. Right. From the death pool. So, but the thing is that since a lot of people wanted to like not be in the death, you know, that this, this is kind of like a double-edged sword. It is. Death yeah. pool can be good or bad because death pool, like some people try to avoid it because of the fear of the death pool and then the death pool isn't as stacked as you would think mm-hmm. which has happened at events before and so the 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 death pool had players but not like the really known one but it had good players that i knew from the r so right. i had some that were like okay i need to watch out for these guys so i played around six matches probably or more or seven just to get out of the death pool to then go to a pool which had picaro the top bison player from peru uh, it had Giroy, which was one of the like top five players from DR. It had Big One, which was uh, he's a ultimate grandmaster Bison online. He's really good too. And after that, I would have to play like Hochi. God. So I made it out of the death pool, and instantly I went to the pool, and I had my first match. Like right? I had to play grand really? final because the death pool has grand finals and everything. Like, it has a bracket because it's it's bra- it's it's a bracket on its own. Wow, I didn't that I didn't know they did it did it that way. That's crazy. Yeah, because since only one makes it out, you have to literally go to the finals. Like, I was in winter finals. I played versus an Akuma. I sent them to losers. Then a, then a Kami player got to grand finals, and I was because I saw him play, and I was like, oh shit, he's. And then he, for some reason, he didn't feel confident with Kami, and he picked Cody, and I was like, oh my god, I am such in luck. And like I beat him 2-0, but a uh, uh, 3-0. F. No, it was 2-0 because the the finals was still best of best of three. They didn't make it three and five. Huh. 
But if I lost, I had to play again because it right. does have a reset, but I won. So then after that, I played another player. Then I played G-Roy, which was the Rashid player. I beat him 2-0. Then I played Big One, which is with Bison. So that was like, that's pretty much the top Bison player in right now. I beat him 2-1. How do you feel about the, the Fang Bison matchup? Because you know Bison pretty well. <clears throat> Bison, I feel like Bison had an advantage season two when they gave him the three frame. Hmm. Right now, even though he has the three frame, since Fang got buffed in, to a certain extent, and so to that point, it's it's kind of even because now like some of the the pressure strings from fine. It's, it's really the matchup just depends who gets started first. Which V trigger do you take into that matchup? I take V trigger two because like I, I, I always feel like I, to be honest, I use V trigger two in practically every matchup except Geef and uh, Guile. Huh. Those are like the only two okay. matchups I don't use V trigger two. Yeah, that's fair. Cause you would really only want to use V trigger two. Just, I don't know. V-Trigger v- 1, I'm sorry, V-Trigger 1. Yeah, because V-Trigger 1 versus Geef is like, I only want to, since Geef can't get over B-Skill yeah. and median up balls, you just use that. So once the, the V-Trigger 1 gives you the B-Skill projectile, it makes it even harder. Yeah. for Geef, And you build it up really fast, so you just waste it really fast and use it again. Because you can't use V-Trigger 2 on Geef because it's a V-Trigger you use for mix-ups, but the mix-ups don't work on Geef. Goes through carpet and it goes through up ball, so I really can't do a mix up on Geef. So I'm like, why would I use V Trigger two? Right. So that's why I use V Trigger one. And V Trigger one, I picked on Guile versus Kaba, but it was because I had a, I I was talking to Dominion the night before because I was thinking of playing Bison actually, and I was talking to Picaro because Picaro was going to help me out in the matchup. Yeah, so I, I was, saw you tweeting about that, asking for help, and I was like, Yeah, I'm both ca- I'm both matchups because I wasn't sure which one I was gonna pick. Right. So but after okay, I played Giroy, I played um big one, then I played Picaro. That match was really close. Mm-hmm. That the last round was a time over with pixels. And I just had a, a slight higher life lead. And he like did a stab medium kick and I automatically because mm-hmm. the timer had gone off, so I couldn't, couldn't block the normal. But it didn't take the life, so I won. And I, re- I still remember that when that happened, he was like, no! I, I heard him like say no. And I was like, damn. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. The feeling was too... And, and there was one round that literally he had all the advantage, and I brought it back because of B-Trigger 2. B-Trigger 2 saved, my, saved me really good. It has so, some tricky uh, mix-ups. I'll, I'll yeah, give it, it has really good 50-50s. And the fact, the thing is that the things that people don't take to account, it's like, it's not even about the mix-ups because people are like, oh, but what if you block him? It's just, he gets damage that he doesn't have because he can do, first of all, if he catches you crouching with a crouching short, he literally has nothing. He has crouching short, crouch jab, that's it. Or crouch short, stand jab, crouch short. Right. When he's not in V-Trigger, because if you do up balls, it's not going to hit you if you're crouch. Yeah. But when you're in V-Trigger 2, the up balls are, the hitbox is incredibly big. So if you catch them crouching, it combos. The up balls are going to hit, and you're plus. If you hit the normal balls, you're plus 3. If you do EX, you get a knockdown, and you get a 50-50, or a coverall, because Fang has like a lot of setups when you can set up the coward crouch or the crouching medium kick, and since they both have too many active frames, they cover both wake-ups. Right. That's awesome. So, 
So that's, and people always try to walk back versus Fang because they're like, ah, oh, Fang has no damage, except when V-Trigger 2 is active. So right. people stop walking back versus Fang because of that. Because you give them a mix-up if you take them. Because you take uh, Crouch Short, Crouch Jab, EX Up Ball into mix-up. If you get the mix-up, you're stunned. So, like, I, I like the fact that he has, like, some setups that it's, like, Laura kind of stuff. That it's, like, yeah, I get I get the I get the robbery, you know? Yeah, he does have that comeback potential. Yeah, but I remember when I lost to, when I went, went to Picaro, I had to play Hochi. And the match versus Hochi was really damn close. Like, I really wanted to win because I know that if I had won, I would have had to play Mana in winners. But, honestly, I'm not sure how that would have panned out because in... In the tournament and losers, like I didn't go as well. <laughs> but then after that, I had to I I had to play one more match when I lost to Hochi. It was Maximov from Mexico, which is a Rashid player. Mm-hmm. I beat him, and then the next day it was Kaba. And I remember I was like, "Damn it, it's Guile!" Like not not a lot of people were like hopeful because it's like Fang versus Guile. That matchup is like really bad. Right. Like it's not it's not worse than Minot, but it's literally pretty much second or third worst matchup. I would say that it's Minot, Kami, Gao. Those are like the three worst matchups for Fang. Hmm. And um, I remember that I was talking to Daminion, and Daminion was like, you should pick V-Trigger 1. I'm like, V-Trigger 1? Because I, I remember when Arcade Edition came out, and they mentioned V-Trigger 1 being a projectile the Visca, I was like, yeah, I think this could work with Guile, actually. So I used it at EVO Japan versus Guile. Hmm. But then I stopped using it because I started to find all the mix-ups with V-Trigger 2. Right. And I was like, hmm, V-Trigger 2 looks like it's better overall. Just generally the better V-Trigger. Because of the damage, because the carpets are two hits, so you can actually like use it versus the B-Skill booms. Mm-hmm. But the thing is that since it takes too long to build versus Guile, and the fact that you want to kind of land a hit, you want to do a hit into V-Trigger. Right. And Guile is pretty much not going to give you that chance. So I that's when I started talking, and I'm like, you know what? But I was going to pick Bison also. So I was like, you know what, fuck it. I've been doing this well with Fang. I'm just going to go with Fang, and I'm just going to play V-Trigger 1. Because I know I'm, I'm pretty confident in my spacing and my zoning with Fang. So, and I know that when I've played Kaba before, it's always gone more or less. Because I remember and first attack, there's one thing I do. And it's that the winner of first attack, I play a set with them since I can't play because it's my event. Right, right, because right. Because CBT rules don't let you play if you organize it. Which makes so, sense, yeah. Exactly. So when, last year, I played Kaba, and it went 3-2 last pixel last round. Huh, and okay. this year, we played, and it went 2-0, but it, it was a first to two. But both matches went 2-1 pretty close, you know? So yeah, I know yeah, that. I watched that set, and it was, a, it was a close set. Like, if you just look at the final score, it's, it doesn't look like it was very close. But if you watch that match, it's, a, it's kind of a nail-biter. Yeah, because it was 2-1 each, each match, you know? Right. So and you're fucking working your ass off that entire exactly. set. <laughs> yeah, it's just that's the thing. Fang has to. And the thing is, the, the thing is that, ma- that makes the, the matchup viable is the fact that you can contest zoning versus Guile, but, and you can also poison because, like, he can't really get around V-Skill if it's not by jumping, you know? Right. So you can actually get him poison and still zone around because you still have the mobility of the command dashes. So it gets to a point where the amount of great damage he's going to take plus the poison you might take if you play it right, you should be with a life lead if you're just zoning, you know? Right. So it gets to a point where Gal actually comes to you. 
And that's when you have to take advantage because that's when you put your anti-airs to put them on point. You try to get the damage. He's a four-framer. So once the pressure starts from Fang, he actually has to take it because he's a four-framer. Mm-hmm. So that's something that you have to like. That's, that's why I was doing Stan Raha's Stan Raha. Yeah. Because he can't do much. But well, like, he's going to think twice about doing anything after, after blocking. Exactly. Because a, a lot of Fang stuff is like plus one, plus three. Like, crouch medium kick is plus three. That's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah but yeah, the matchup... I, I do like... See, that's the crazy thing, is that I like Fang's pressure. I like his buttons when he's right next to you. When he's not right next to you, I don't love his buttons. I don't love him anymore. Yeah, the thing is that since it's also two hits, it's really easy to do V-reversal on Fang. That's the problem. Yeah, tr- that's true. That's true. So you always get a guaranteed V-reversal versus Fang, because all of his normals are two hits except for crouching medium. Punch. Like you could avoid it by canceling one of the two hit normals into a command dash, but that would be a hell of a read. Yeah. So it's a risk. But the matchup versus Kaba, like I'll tell you, like I was nervous, but when I when, as soon as I got the first match and then I got the second one, I was like, okay, okay, you got this, you got this. Then he automatically like turned it over, and won the next two like right. I was like, mono, this can't. <laughs> I was like, Jesus, I really. And then like the last match, I was like. Because if you see the set, like you will see, like command V reversaling and a yeah. certain, like I V reversal to punish the boom. Because one thing you can do on Guile is that when he does sonic boom, he'll automatically, as soon as you block, he'll do the other one. Right. So you can V reversal that one, and since he's gonna do the next one, you get a punish. Like yeah, you can I actually... saw that because it's a lot of Guiles just have that they're they're charging and waiting for you to block it, and it'll just come out automatically. And and that's why V trigger one was actually something I considered because if I use the V-reversal early, I, I, I'm not losing my chance yeah. for a V-trigger, you know? Because it's only a two-bar V-trigger. Exactly. And the, v, and the V-skill, being a projectile, actually gives me one advantage. That is, you can do V-skill when crouching, right? Mm. So I can do V-skill on a boom and be charging up balls. And as soon as he does, and if he right. goes, if he does another boom right away, after the V-skill, he's going to get hit and punished by a heavy up ball. And I get a command dash into a confirm. Yeah, from like so, basically full screen. Exactly, which I did get like two to three times. In yeah, the I noticed that. That was awesome. But, but that's the thing. Like the V-skill helps you actually make... Because you're, people even forget at some point you're going to see in the set that he actually walked into a V-skill. And it's because people still forget that the V-skill is a projectile. <laughs> because a lot of fangs are not using the one as much. Yeah. They, most of them are using V-Trigger too. So once they use one, it's like you forget. Like I've actually gotten clean jump-ins because the people are like, let me walk forward to get the entire. And then they get hit by the V-Skill and then I get jump fierce and I was like, wow. They're like, oh, I'll just take the poison clearly. But yeah. it, ain't, then you get it ain't like you think it is, champ. What I don't like about the V-Trigger one, which I think they should fix for season four, hopefully, is that mm. the projectile it takes too much out of the V-Trigger. Like, if you really try to, like, use it yeah. smart, you only get two. Because the only way you can do three V-Skill projectiles if it, is if you do, like, one after the other. And you get three. Yeah, but if you, do one, down, yeah. if you do one and you start walking a bit and stuff, and then you do the second one, it's done. Which is exactly and, what happens anyway. Like, yeah, but they, they actually sped up the timer in Arcade Edition. So now V-Trigger 1 lasts even less. Uh, that kind of sucks. They, but, that, but I know why they did that, because fan players were complaining that it took too long. 
which was true, you would you would use V trigger one, and the timer would run run out so slow that you wouldn't even get to have a bar for a V reversal because the V skill didn't build up that much V trigger back right. then. So in Arcadia Edition, they buffed the V trigger. So if you do like six V skills, I think it's like six to eight. Now you get uh, V trigger one with around six V skills or eight of them. Which was impossible back then. You needed like twelve. So, but the timer is faster. So now, like you still, you it's easier to get two V trigger ones per round because of the V skill buff. But the fat, the projectile, the way the way it's working, like I feel like they should add for at least two more uses, or maybe one more to actually guarantee the three. And there was one thing I heard rumored that in the trials it said that the V skill had two speeds. Yeah, like it was okay. like a, a it was a mistake. Apparently, like what uh, I remember, somebody in the Twitter said that the V skill had a notation in the trials mm-hmm. that it said that it, you could do a slow version by doing. I think it was like holding the V uh, the V skill or huh. doing down V skill. I don't remember how it was, or doing heavy, or I think it was the two heavy. There something. was just something that was that alluded to. Exactly. Your it just made it sound like there were going to be two V skill speeds, which I would have found incredibly good because if they would have made, because yeah, the V skills were fast. But if they make a slow V skill as well, that would have been like extremely good because then you can just walk behind it, you know? Just, yeah, like, I think that that yeah. sucks about his, his current V trigger one V skill. It goes so fast. Yeah. In comparison to what it typically, the speed that it typically goes. What I didn't like also is that when it hits you in the air, that was like the first thing I was trying out. Mm. When it hits you in the air, it doesn't juggle. It resets. Loses all juggle points. That sucks too. Yeah. But oh. you can juggle into it. Like if you, if they, if you catch a person with a EX up balls or an up ball in anti-air or something, you can actually do V-skill and it's going to hit them out. So okay. you can actually set up a mix-up. Like if you do EX up balls and they decided to skill command dash behind and right after the reset right so but that's like a situational things you know that's right. why v trigger 2 is way more you get way cheap. more like actually practical opportunities for mix-ups instead of having to rely on well if this hits in the air then i can command dash behind it, it's yeah, a whole, it becomes a whole thing yeah but the damage isn't that much so it's yeah. like really not the thing is that the the factor that you don't get to char- in each charge plus just by being close to them they get poisoned mm-hmm in matchups like Guile, that kind of works. Because Guile's a person that tries to chip you down, and when you activate each other one, it's like, you can do this. You know? Right. Right. Where any time he's spending close to you and making you block booms, it's like, well, you're doing damage to yourself a little bit. Yeah, you're taking gray health, but you'll take that. Exactly. I and, guess and, then, and, and, uh, so then what happened? After, after you beat Kaba, it was a good win. Yeah. After that, I had to play uh, Dalsim, uh, Luiman. Yeah. I played him at the online CPT, I remember the ranking online. And um, I, beat, I beat him 3 2. It was really close. But then, but I did remember a few things from the set. You know what? That matchup is also like, I'm, people are just going to think, wow, every matchup is bad for Fang. Well, kind of most of them are. Yeah, he's, he's kind of low tier for a reason. That's that's yeah, how tiers yeah. work. Exactly. Dalsim is relatively bad for him too. Right. Because of the fact that Dalsim can just wait him out, you know? Like you can you can do poison, but he can float. Like he has ways to work around 
the poison, you know? Yeah, he can and avoid it for the most part. And you can't commit to zoning because he can... If the Dalsim is just waiting to react, he can just wait till you do a carpet and just Tiger Knee teleport for a punish, or he yeah. can wait till you do up balls and do the same thing, Tiger Knee teleport into a punish. So you can't really rely on zoning unless if he's like trying to float, because then he's too high up to actually punish. And the V skill is one way to actually make, you know, move around. Because if he throws a limb and the limb hits the V skill, like he's poisoned automatically. Right. So, and you just have to be aware of the yoga fires when you get the projectile, you command dash through and try to get in. You can also like whiff punish the stand fierce with your fierce as well. Yes. Or you can just randomly fierce into command dash. And if he does uh, any normal, you get a crush counter. There was one round where I actually did it at the start. I did fierce and he did, I think, was stand medium kick and I got the crush counters and dashed into his face. Yeah, that is one but thing I missed, about, about uh, Fang's stand fierce. It does have a pretty good hitbox. It comes yeah, out, and it moves forward. Yeah, it comes out like yeah, pretty fast. Where it's like it's right there. Uh, unfortunately, it has like some some pretty good recovery. But at the same time, you can do things like you just said, where if you can just catch that limb, get that crush exactly. counter into the command, you're already buffering the command dash, or at least I, I should think you are. Yeah, because if it doesn't hit, it's not going to come out. Right. But even though it's it's still seven frame, it's really fast versus four frame characters. That move is so good to yeah. throw it out, especially after crouch medium kick. You because they they can't do a, do a four frame because it's gonna uh, fierce is gonna hit because of the priority system. Right. So that match of like I won all the match, but there was one mm -hmm. got the V trigger two robbery because I did the fifty. The thing is that Fang has one particular setup that it's really hard to block. Especially if people have never seen it, it's extremely hard. And it's that the up balls, since they have such a big hitbox, you can set them up for a meaty up ball. And like the first one hits you when you wake up, but then the second one lands after, and you get to command dash in front or behind. So it becomes a 50 50. Right. And if you get hit by the second up ball, it lights fierce. And that setup is actually very cheap versus Cami uh, to some point because if she does EXDP, she'll hit you, but she'll get hit by the up balls. Right. And then you get to quick rise, and then you get EX sleeves right after. So after getting hit by the DP, you still get a combo. Ah, oh, that's cool. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you trade because you can still you still win out in that trade because you yeah don't when, I, when I when I when I have from the from the EXDP yeah when I have low life I'll go for it when I know the EXDP. I'll actually do the setup on purpose because, like, they must be like, wow, this guy's so dumb. He's going to get hit by the DP. And then it's like automatic, they get hit. And then I get the KO because of the sleeves. Right. Because so, in, a, in a heads up situation like that, you might not be thinking straight. You yeah, might see the setup and go, well, I, I, you're not doing the math in your head of, well, what if this trades? No one's doing that quick math. Exactly. Because if it trades, because obviously it trades in my. Same yeah. with, there's a setup I did for Akuma. Where you do like, uh, and it works on Kami too. You do like light, light sleeves in the corner. Then you do EX carpet right mm -hmm. after. So the thing is that since they see an EX, they see you flash. They're like, "Osh, he committed." So then they'll do the DP. But the pushback on the EX cloud mm -hmm. puts you away from the DP, so it doesn't hit. But then you get a crush counter. They fall into the carpet, and you get like a mad, mad damaging. You you get to stun Akuma. Yeah, you get that juggle combo afterwards, right? 
Yeah, I mean, no, no, it's not even jungle. It's in the ground. Like you wait till he lands the oh, fierce okay. counter, dash fierce. He hits the carpet. You get right. roundhouse, then crouch strong into sleeps, and he's stunned. Nice. So it's setups, and like if Akuma has V trigger on deck, he's gonna do it because they all do <laughs> EXDP into V trigger. Right. <laughs> so that's true. You're not wrong. <laughs> Yeah, it's like the panic button, you know? The other setup like, that I like seeing from from Fangs that I just, like, no one ever blocks it is just a, a raw knockdown off of, and this is without V-Trigger, is just the uh, EX carpet, the EX Ryubenda. You do a dash forward, jump forward. Oh, yeah. Stand yeah round, roundhouse, it. but everyone back rises. That and setup is so cheap. <laughs> it, it looks like, like the way that Fong's that Fang's hitbox, hurtbox, like the way his jump arc is. It looks like he's gonna land behind you, but then that stand hard kick hits in front, and you have the advantage. Yeah, exactly. The thing is that that setup is if you quick rise, it's a cross up. If right. you back wall, he lands in front every single time. So I don't think I've seen anyone block it ever. <laughs> if they back roll, they're not gonna block it unless if they already know it. Like right. you have to know the setup because if you don't, if you've never seen the setup, you're gonna get hit. Mm-hmm. And the thing is that he has two setups that do the same setup, that do the same visual reference. Like he has one where he command dashes behind you, like you see him behind you during yeah. the command. I've seen but this one do, where it, it, but when you do the back roll, he usually looks like he's right behind you. You can see it, he's behind you, <laughs> but when you recover, he's not behind you anymore. There's also another 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 layer to that, and it's because like there are certain setups where if you do command dash, he will cross you up. Hmm. But if you cancel the command dash into coward crouch, he stays in front because the coward crouch delays the last frames of the dash. Right. Oh shit! I didn't even think about that. So like That's some really setups, like if you just do raw command dash, he'll cross you up. But if you cancel it into coward crouch, he lands in front. Huh. Well, that's so, really yeah. tricky, and that sounds like an awesome mix-up. Uh, it is. So you lost that matchup. I no, I won versus the Sim. Oh, okay. Then, then I had to play Mana, and that's where I lost. That's where you lost. Yeah. The thing is that that that's what I'm saying. Like Mana, I even told him when the match ended. I particularly don't think Birdie wins the matchup huh. because my. Win ratio versus birdies has actually been better. The thing is that I've beaten other birdies except Mena. That's the thing. Like I at Evo, I I beat Trashbox uh, 2-0, I think it was, huh. or 2-0 or 2-1. I'm not sure. I beat him at Evo to make it into top 30, top 38, I think, or something. Because mm-hmm. then I lost to Justin. No, that was for top 33, right? I lost to Justin right after that, and then I got 33rd. So oh, I see. I would have gotten top 32 if I beat Justin. But Justin picked my not, right. obviously. We've already talked uh, about that matchup. I lost the match, but then I, 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 I switched. I counterpicked to Bison, and it, went, and it went better. And I was like, wow, if I would have picked Bison from the beginning, who Could've knows? Could have gone different. <laughs> yeah, because another like, way. Because the second match we played... I got a round off Justin with Bison. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, if I played this at the beginning, if I practiced it more with Bison, maybe I would have. 
Because mm -hmm. I'm literally practicing bison mostly because of that matchup. And you could have been in the groove. It could have just been a little different. You could have had it like it could have changed the entire speed of the matchup. Yeah. yeah, but since I was already so warmed up with Fang, it was like, yeah, yeah. I haven't played Bison the whole tournament. Yeah, I Maybe that. I should. You know, you get too confident with that. So you you should always try not to be afraid to switch if right. you know it's better for you. But the birdie matchup, though, uh, you think Fang mm. wins it? I would actually think it would go the other way. Even though birdie, I think, would be a little bit weak to Fang's particular brand of pressure, uh, not having a three-frame... Uh, just in general, as light normal is pretty slow. Um, Plus, you have two hit normals, which actually blow up uh, the, the reversal. The, yeah. yeah, they mitigate the armor. He doesn't have throw invincibility anymore. Throw him on the hookup. <clears throat> and I actually think Fang's back throw is still pretty strong because you get a follow up. You get a follow up, but you don't get a strong follow up. The follow up after back throw is like. Tap forward, maybe crouch short into crouch strong. Mm -hmm. Because he used to have a throw loop after back throw. And I still regret the day that I made the video about it. Because I, I still feel like if I had not posted that video... See, but even though... I actually almost think that very close to actual throw loops might be more dangerous than actual throw loops in this game. Well, I mean, Fang still has his throw loop in the corner. Like, right. it, it got nerfed a little. They nerfed it two frames. But you can still throw loop in the corner with forward throw in the corner. But they, the, the nerf that they gave it two frames less, I, as soon as that came out and I read two frames, I was like, I get crouch, meaty crouching short. Because I remembered that if you did fierce right after the throw, the fierce is seven frames. The fierce would hit on the last frame. Like, right. it would hit every single time. So right. as soon as they said minus two, I'm like, wait, so it's five. So crouch short is five. So that's a perfect meaty. And like literally just do forward throw. You mash crouching short and some. Mm -hmm. And on meaty, it's plus three. On block. <clears throat> Which isn't bad. No, I mean, and on hit, plus it. six. On hit, you get the crouch strong. All right. Well, that was your run through... Um, through fighting quest and that was and people can watch those uh on the capcom fighters youtube channel uh if they so wish or was it um, was it posted there yeah actually, no, no. It was, uh, since it's a ranking it wasn't on capcom fighters yeah, it's it on wasn't the, actually no it's the somewhere channel else is called Gen online yeah i can i can Reddit. We'll share it. We'll share it in the, sh in the show yeah. notes. Don't worry about it. Um, but okay. we'll, I'll, I'll track it down later. But you're right. It wasn't on Capcom Fighters uh, because it was a ranking event. But speaking of ranking events, you were telling me this earlier <clears throat> before we started recording. And it was something I hadn't thought about. Maybe because I'm ignorant. But with South America, that whole region, uh, the way that the CPT is cut up, is making things a little bit funky for that region. Do you want to elaborate on that? Yeah, the thing is that uh, with the current CPD structure right now, um, let's start off with the fact that LATAM doesn't have Premier. Mm -hmm. With that, that's one. That's one thing that like LATAM has been asking for for at least two years. Um, hopefully next year, some either they give them Premier or more love with system i'm not sure what's going to happen next year but i really hope that out of curiosity who do you think would get the premiere event 
I mean, you can you, you can say in, your event. No, the you thing can, is that in Latam, that's the thing. That's, you can say LATAM, first attack. Okay, first attack is in the run-ins from what I like within Latin America region. Like even them or the U.S. Like they would say, "Oh man, I, I could see first attack being a premiere," or they could see uh, Thunderstruck, which is in Mexico. They could also mm -hmm. uh, Game Over this year, which was the one in DR. Like there are at least a few potential candidates within Latam that could be premier. First attack is one of them. I'm, I'm sure that I'm, I know that because of the feedback that I received from international players when they visit. And I know that that's feedback that at some point it does reach Capcom to the point that they might consider it. Hmm. And Puerto Rico in itself is very accessible globally in the fact that since it's a US territory, US players don't need passports to attend the event because you can just come with your state ID. But if you go to travel to any other region, even Latin America, you do need a passport. Because you can't go with a state ID to other Latin regions. You Which, need the passport. by the way, I think people are really fucking stupid. If, people, if you are competing in the CPT at all, hey, you, the listener, if you're competing in the CPT at all, and I've talked to so many Americans who don't have their fucking passport, like... What are you, you doing with your life? <laughs> you don't yeah, have a passport. Want, if you want the points, you have to travel. That's drives that's me crazy. And it's not like it's even that hard. It's not hard to get a passport. But like yeah. to travel to other regions is not that hard when you're in America. There's a lot of travel hubs in America that aren't too expensive to get to in order to travel out of. It, it blows my mind that some competitors in like that are high ranking in the CPT right now, high ranks in the CPT don't have their fucking passport. Yeah. It's they do need to get, they didn't, but, uh, but the fact is that, um, another thing with the, with the Latam region is the fact that, uh, which is one thing that I feel like is something that needs to be, since the points were lowered up to top eight, it's more problematic for at least in the Latam region, I feel. Mostly because of the fact that there are premieres in other regions like US right. and Europe and Asia. There are other forms of transportation in these regions aside from plane. You can drive up to a state if you're in the US. You can take a train if you're in Asia, also Europe. But in Latin America, all the different CPT events, you have to take a, a flight. You have mm -hmm. to fly out or you would have to take a boat if such boats take. So the traveling for Latin players to go to ranking events of their own region, it's hard because of the fact that they all have to fly out. Like DR has to take a ferry or fly out to Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico has to do the same. If you go to Panama, you have to go. Yeah, you have to go. So the accessibility to travel is not the same one as the other regions per se. So it makes it harder for them to compete. Therefore, points, even, the, even for the points, it's not really worth going to ranking events. So even the Latin players actually try to go to the premieres. Because if they fly out and they get seventh, it's one point. But so, it's still worth it to you because all you have is ranking events. Well, we do. Yeah, no, we'll still go because we still go to the ranking events. But right now, let's say an, an example. You yeah. do have... If you look at the current leaderboard, that's what I'm saying. Look, the, the point spread in ra in ranking events are are so minimal that even getting 
like I feel like at a premiere is far more beneficial for your region than pretty much because of the fact that okay if regionals at least had um 16 up to top 16 points which mm. i think that should that should come back because it's really hard to consistently get a top eight in street i mean street fighter 5 is really competitive in general mm. so and you see this with players like uh, top players that they don't make top eight or top 32 or top 16 at certain majors that's because the, the level is so high yeah so there's a lot of very strong players out there who are like also just like not sponsored also. but then you get but then you get to the point where how much access do you for latin players how much access do you have to travel you know right so right now if you look at the current leaderboards right now um you have three people tied with 150 points right so for regional finals which you take seven players there's one more ranking event this weekend but let's just say that because of this let's say that the last spot you have three people or four people or there's a With tie a at some point how do you work out this is a thing that you could possibly avoid if you had top six points up to top 16 hmm. because i can like an example like maximov has a hundred he's from mexico right he has a hundred Mm-hmm. But he got ninth at Dominican Republic, but there's no points for ninth. So that extra point, if let's say they had given him ninth for getting ninth, right? Even if it was one point, been, that would have been a difference enough to actually put him, like, take him out of the tie. With right. other, would change the ranking. It would put him up in the ranking. Would change that seed. If that was an example, if you had points at the top 16, because these players are trying to travel, right. but it's really hard to get a consistent top eight. Because even to the ranking events in LATAM, you do get international players attending because the ranking points, if you're a North America player and you get points in LATAM, you do not qualify for regionals, but the points do count for global. So right. there's still points that you need for Capcom Cup. So you could, you could be a North America player win five ranking and you could be in the shoe in for capcom cup but you can't go to regionals of latam because you're not from the region right so but just that also screws up a lot of the points distribution for that for people who live in that region yeah because right now i mean top top two in thunderstruck was us it was jb and punk so yeah. those are those are 150 and 70 points that you're not getting those are big swings that didn't go to anyone in the region, so the the regional ranking didn't change all that much. Yeah, but the thing is that I would I would still not like I wouldn't lock other regions out because I feel like yeah them having access to the points gives the event exposure because like if yeah, you put part, it to a, that that part's good yeah like yeah, I have no qualms with that I just feel like there has to be more points that's yeah all. even if it was. Just a little bit of points, spread the points out a little more. Just to yeah, we, avoid these these ties in uh, in third like you have right now. Or ties for fourth. Yeah, because me personally, one example, like I've traveled to at least two DR events. This one in a DR. And I went to, I did one ranking online. Mm-hmm. Yet I'm still like, and I got placings in all of them, but 
not and I on the second I'm mm-hmm. top sixteen, but since there's no points in it, like I'm I'm like thirteenth in the regional, you know. But I have more global points because at Evo I got thirty third, so I got seventy points from Evo, but they don't count for right. my region. Right. So like I have more points than some people in region, but I have more global points than so so that's the thing. Like maybe if there was, I'm not saying that. Like, I didn't get top eight in all of them. Mm-hmm. But it would still make the differences within the people that are already. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I just, I, I honestly, the CPT constant work because I know that they've changed every year, yeah. the, the structure. Because the year before that, they took away the automatic uh, qualification right. from 2016. They took that out, which was a good idea. So they made it so that there wasn't any gatekeeping. And then, or there, or that they, or that there wasn't any automatic um, qualifications because then, if you got, if you already had three people that won a premiere, four people, and the four people got top four, and then you had to swing it to fifth place, but fifth place is two people; it's tied for fifth. Right. So, what are you going to do? Like, make them play it out? So, so that's the thing. Like, I'm glad that they're constantly. Because obviously with this, they get to see, okay, this is working a bit, this is not. This. Like right now, I feel like the current point system isn't so great because of the fact that right now there's this, at least in LATAM, because it's, it's the thing, like people that have the 150 points, probably because they don't have the same access to travel. Right. So they go to the events locally to the region. If they have a chance and manage to get the points on the region, on the online ranking event, then good, they're in. But like you see somebody like Doomsnake, who has traveled to like almost all of them in Latam and uh, Brolinia has traveled to a few, but not all of them. Like I know Picaro uh, traveled to DR, but that was like his first time flying out. But he won the local one in mm-hmm. Peru. So if he had not won the one local, but see, if, let's say if he had won Peru and he had not gone to any other event or he didn't win uh, the. He would literally be stuck in 150 points with the other three players, hmm. if not for the online event. So I don't know. I just I mean I feel like right? it would it just it just would serve to muddy the waters. But if there was one premier event out there, it would be it would shake up the points a little bit more. It would shake up the points. It would also give more international exposure to right. the region itself because like you would get all the Latin regions attending. You would get global players to attend. You would get more exposure to the event, more legitimacy in that sense. And in itself, but I, I still feel like ranking need a bit more love. Yeah. Or the time in general. I mean, because Just that's what I'm saying. Touch. It, it's the accessibility. Because like yeah. not everybody can fly out, you know? And that's yeah. pretty much the problem. All right. Well, I think that that is a very good rundown of the of the region uh thank you for sharing your input there because uh, i think that that word doesn't really spread too much even like you would think mena after winning capcom cup there would be a little bit of, right behind them yeah you know? right that there would be a little bit of love there you yeah, think. They're, they're showing the potential of the region and still so hopefully now i, I know i know that these things are taken into account because if you look at it two years before this, yeah, or three, there were no regions. There was just premieres and rankings, but 
they didn't have like North America, Latin America. Yeah. They weren't like that. They, I, I remember there was like, there was wild card. Because First Attack was a ranking since 2014. It's been part of the tour. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were wild card one year. America, then we came, then Latin America became a region in the CPT, and then we got put in Latin America. But first attack was actually once North America ranking event. Yeah. So, which that is not exactly a fair region to group it with, in my opinion. It all, it all depends for all the reasons people, that you've already talked about, which is yeah, in traveling and accessibility to events. Yeah, some um, people actually put it in North America because since it was a U.S. territory, since it is a U.S. territory, yeah, right, it was accessible to North to North America in the sense that they didn't need like passports; they did need to fly out, right. But yeah, yeah, and this this whole conversation that we're having is also seated in the like the global conversation of is there too many events going on from week to week to where people who are just viewers are like strung out on, ah, oh, there's big event every week and it's really hard to follow everything. The storylines get really muddied sometimes. Like that is a whole other conversation that I think can be assuaged by better coverage of the CPT, even though there's the, well, I guess it's not wake up Wednesdays anymore. I guess they're just doing Capcom uh, connect now yeah. which covers that which is good i think they've been doing a very good job with capcom connect uh specifically i like it when they cover all the all the events of the week uh and then i actually I actually really enjoy how they're giving people credit like artists and cosplayers when they do that segment in the middle who's like here's just the the people who like street fighter and want to are within the fgc but aren't like competing like some of them compete but like the specifically isn't competitive entertainment of street fighter here's like this little bit of people who are giving to the community and i actually think that's really cool that they're doing that um just just share a little bit of love for the fgc as a whole uh but yeah back to the point though that I guess they're doing a little bit of coverage of the ranking events, but still the whole thing, the whole like, grand picture of it, uh, it's kind of at a scale that is really hard to track with. Yeah. Um, but I, I know how it sounds, but I, I do, in some point, I do kind of understand it because it's four regions. Yeah. And they have to make a, a schedule for a year, and they're like, it's four regions. Each region has 12 rankings plus the premieres, yeah. which, which are not included in those 12 per region. So there's 12 there months in a year and there are four exactly. regions with 12 events per year. Like exactly. So it's really hard for you to make them not have a conflict. The only thing that you can actually guarantee is that there won't be two events at the same region. Yes. On the same weekend, because that can happen. Yeah. But uh, let's uh, for example, like uh, this, 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 this weekend, Argentina has one and I think it's ECT and there's a, pre- and it's seen, uh, in Singapore. Yeah. yeah. So we have those days. Yeah. First South attack East. weekend, it was first attack, China premiere, summer jam, and I think, oh, and ultimate fighting arena. Yes. So all four regions had an event that weekend. It, so, and it, like, as someone who's trying to like think about that and cover all of those events, it's just at some point, it's like, well, 
like what 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 was more at stake here who's like whose points mattered at each event what was the how'd things shake out did the ranking seeds change at all it's really hard to keep track of um and even like the cpt website doesn't necessarily do a great job of explaining all that per se but again that's a whole other conversation and we're already an hour into the show uh, yeah. So, so we'll, we'll move on to topic. Cause I do want to hear your opinions on some other things involving fact, if you're okay with that, unless there's anything yeah, else you sure. would like to speak of, uh, in the LATAM region. Well, with, with regards to LATAM, like I know, I know what LATAM's gotten the exposure it needs this mm-hmm. year, especially for instance, Mena won last year. And I know that LATAM has like stepped it up in its own way. It's on the events. And I know that the, and like, I know that the, Capcom's testing out the point system. I do feel like it needs to go back to top 16 point distribution. Mm-hmm. So it, that ma- it makes it more viable and you and you kind of what like I just mentioned, like you have like three players with 150 points that might be able to be avoided if you have 16 score. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I'm pretty sure that I mean CBT has gone on for 4 years, 5 years actually. 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, yeah. Five About years. time that region got theirs. Yeah. Well, actually, CPT has been... 2013, it was Street Fighter 4. No. Yes. I'm not sure. The first year it was. But right. was there... But CPT, was it 2013 or was it... I thought it was 2000. I, it, my gut uh, tells me 2014, but I might be wrong on that. Yeah, I think it's 2014 as well. But yeah, I mean... I just uh, I I feel Latam has gotten recently because Latam has been I think it's it was the newest region it was the last region to be added yeah. to the CBT so obviously it kind of made sense a bit since it's the one that's getting developed but if you compare Latam circuit last year to this year the events stepped it up way too much like mm-hmm. I, like I'm pretty sure that they've made a good impression on Capcom me included uh, and even the players. To show that there's actually good talent worthy of being um, covered, giving exposure, or giving an event that actually like caters to the region or to a global, to a global scene. Because the fact is, a premiere should is not usually based on giving the region more access, but to be global right. as well. So, right. plus, it's I do. Plus, it's, I, plus, it's a beautiful region. And from everything I've seen, I've only heard people speak very well of the ranking events from that region. I've never seen someone go there and be like, eh, they, they weren't very welcoming. Never, never heard that. Never heard that <laughs> once. I'll give you that. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, let's move on to another topic, though, because I do want to get your opinion on... A couple things involving Fang, while I have you here, uh, because specifically in the news, uh, Capcom released an announcement saying on the 23rd of this month, they're going to reduce the input lag for Street Fighter V. They didn't give specifics as to what that means exactly. I don't know if they're going to reduce it to like, they didn't give a number that they're going to reduce it to. They didn't say whether or not they would take away input, uh, variability, which if you want to learn all about that, there's a whole episode where I had weed on the show where he talked about his method and how he even discovered that that's 
that that's an hour show you could listen to if you want to learn about input variability. But they said just recently on the 23rd, they're going to reduce the input lag. What do you think that means for the game? What do you think that means for, for Fang in general? Does that st- shake up the, the te- uh, how people play at all? I'm still wondering how significant of a reduction it's going to be. Right. Because of the fact that you still have one more premiere. Like, it's the week before Cat Out of Cup. Yeah. So, it's right before it. Like, so you've only got a little like, bit of time it, to... Well, I, I'm to here play. thinking that it, that it might not be a big overhaul because of the fact that it might be too much of a big drastic change right. all of a sudden. But I also feel that if they do a significant input uh, delay reduction, I feel like there are some that they would actually have to buff, like make them faster. Like Because I'm saying like if you take away the input delay or the... Let's just say Ken's, and I always think back to this character, Ken's run-stop mix-ups. Hmm. When he does them, he's usually negative. Yes. Especially on block. So if but you how do many that, times do you see a Ken get away with that? Often, because you saw Chris, if you saw the sets with Chris Tatarian at SCR, he, that's still negative, but people like sometimes take time to react. But if you right. make the fact that you keep that frame, the frames the same, like the negative and all that, mm-hmm. but you give more time to be reactable. Right. Wouldn't that like lower the effectiveness of the run? I mean, shit, even think about Evo, right? Tokido yeah. and Problem X, where Problem X was getting away with dash Gashel. through into stand roundhouse you saw like you could visually see tokido reacting to it he did press a button in those instances sometimes it was a little too soon and the jab went the wrong way or sometimes it was too late sometimes it was too late but like look at that though that was evo not exactly. to take anything away from problem x he like i'm not saying that that was like a that's like a shitty way to play at all that's no, no, no. I mean, I mean, that's still Bison, though. I he mean, played he incredibly know. well. Like that whole set, like his forward dashes in that set, like at, during pressure, were like fucking on point. He it's just, you, you get too down scared. every back dash, every single one. It was unbelievable. Exactly. You get you get so scared of down forward yeah. <laughs> that you just let him do the dash. Yeah, it was bananas. Because literally, his dash is like twenty-two frames or twenty-four. I think it is technically a slow forward dash. Exactly. So it, it's, it's one of the slowest ones. It's mm-hmm. like fourth of the slowest dashes. Cause mm-hmm. I know Geef is slower. Yeah. It's like um, 25 or 26 exactly, frames. Exactly. But down forward fierce from Bison is 18 frames. So it's literally probably four frames slower than down forward fierce. Mm-hmm. So, and even so like, yeah, you might be able to react to more stuff, but that's what I'm saying. There are things that are, I feel like there were things designed on the game contemplating the input delay. So hmm. I feel like if you reduce it, you kind of have to go back to certain moves and actually like tweak a bit. Because maybe with, the, with this reduction, they might become less viable on the characters. Like I personally feel like run stop is going to be like, mm-hmm. com- technically nerfed. If you fix the delay, but you leave it all the same. Yeah, and I am right with you. I think that if you if you decrease the input delay, 
even let's see let's put it this way worst case scenario they lock it at the lowest that it currently is which is around five frames mm-hmm. let's say they lock it at that that's that's decent input delay even if they did that i think that's a nerf to get if they reduce it worse than that if it's like or not worse but I mean, if they reduce it even more than that but make it like 3.5 frames I think that's a nerf to Ken. I'm right with you. Yeah, because that, that even dolphin dives, Mika's drop kick. Like I'm thinking of, of of moves like you can react. Zangief's forward. That's the way you just can't react every single time. Right. But if you actually made it easier, like even the jump, try to like. If I know this is because of the input delay. When you're like, but I I know I jumped when he did the command grab. I'm like, you you probably did jump. But it comes out later in the screen, so maybe he pressed the button before you yeah. jumped, but Listen, you can't see it. As a as a Zangief main, I'm so glad they reduced the input lag for walk forward block. Yeah, that alone is like, oh man, I can walk forward block and I could do that better. Because there have been so many times in this game, specifically online, where I'm like, Seven okay, I just want, EX. I just want to take that. That little step and block. I want to take that little bit of ground that I can get. My walk speed is very slow. Please let me walk forward and and then block on reaction, and then yeah. just walking like directly into a fist or a projectile. That happens. You you literally have to walk. You literally have to pretty much guess yeah, when you it's walk. It's predictive. It, it was. It, it's usually like walk forward, down back. Walk forward, down back. Like you're doing it reactively. You're not actually reacting. Mm-hmm. You're just doing it just to cover all bases. Like just tap forward, then back, just in case. Walk forward again, mm-hmm. because you can't really react. Because as soon as you see an ex tackle, ex dash punch, which are both seven frames, you're gonna get. If you tapped forward even just a little, like I sometimes, literally, I, me as a fan play mm-hmm. and bison. Ex sleeves comes out in fourteen frames. I sometimes wait to see if they walk forward and then I throw it. I've walked into so many EX leaves. Exactly. And so Bison many. EX is a kick is 12 frames. It's two frames faster. And it's the same thing. Like you see them walk forward and you're like, okay, let me throw Because since they're walking, they might not react. So that's why I usually, when I'm playing characters that have those types of uh, mm-hmm. EX forward moving specials, I'll like tap forward then back just in case. Like I'll be like slowly. It's a range, it's a range check, and if you can get someone thinking, oh, at this range, I'm not entirely safe to enter this space anymore. I'm somewhat in danger by entering the space because my opponent has proven to me that if I do, if I try and take that, if I try and touch a toe into the water. They're going to react to that and keep me out with EX sleeves, EX scissor kick. I've seen it's happened to me numerous times as Zangief. Max range, EX sleeves. I can't punish that on block. No, I mean, nobody can. It's minus three. And I'll, it has I'll to walk be. into that shit for free yeah. all day. <laughs> nobody can punish that. Like, no. literally nobody. Not max range. Not at all. Not, because, not, not even close. It's minus three. It has too much. Oh, too much pushback? Hmm. Yeah. I'm thinking about, like, DPs. Like, I think that the only character that could probably do it would be Mika if she's in the corner. What about like DPs? You can DP it? No. Not too far. I, I've, never, I've never gotten DP. Because, like, even if you do it, like like I said, since it's pushed, since the pushback is too far, 
if you did exdp from ken you would probably get hit by one hit and then block the rest hmm. yeah i just haven't put the work in myself to to do the punishment i just know that as geef can't punish no but the regular ones are like minus 10 minus 12 right the regular sleeves all of them they're all after minus 10 all right so but with that in mind input delay reduction do you think it'll shake up the tier list at all? Do you think it? It's crazy that they're doing the, and also the the added fact that they're doing it right before Capcom or Canada Cup. Yeah, a week before premiere. Yeah, I would have at least you know that after November second, pretty much or November fifth. I don't know when it's last book, but that's when the last regional. Right, November sixteen actually is the last regional. I think. After that, it would be okay to to do it, right? If you're gonna do a significant reduction, because then you still have like a month for players to get used to it. So if they're doing it this soon, it just makes me think that the reduction isn't significant, maybe. Or maybe like I mean, maybe they're not I I, I would think that they're paying attention, you know. Huh. So I don't I don't I don't I don't think it's a significant overall. If it is, well then it's still a good thing. It's still a good thing because you get to react, but I feel characters like Cammy are just going to be more cheap because right now you can confirm a crouch for Karen and Cammy. Yep. So if you do that, how much easier is it going to be to confirm crouch forwards with Akuma and other characters that's, that do have it, like Ken? So that's what I'm saying. If it becomes like ridiculously easy, because of a significant reduction, doesn't it mean that then maybe you would have to nerf those moves a bit? Or at least change them in some way. Like, just touch them yeah. up a little bit. And you're, you're right. The last uh, regional final is the Red Bull Conquest, and that's the 17th of November. So it's like yeah. halfway through. And then you have a month between Capcom Cup, basically. Exactly. So that one made sense if it were like after that. I'm... Hmm. I kind of think that there might be tweaks, but I'm not thinking that it's going to be like, it, it, might, it probably will be like five to four, like something that's not like extremely significant, but maybe smoother, I guess. Yeah, that like, as I mentioned earlier, I think that may, like worst case scenario, the reduction is that they lock it at its lowest input delay, which sits around five frames of input delay. Yeah, because even right now, like it's crazy. Because because if you look at a game like Street Fighter Four, Street Fighter Four had the different console versions that they had different like a frame of uh, one or two frame difference, right? Yeah, it was, like, it was a little bit. Yeah, PlayStation, PlayStation. By the way, <laughs> exactly. But yeah. in that game, it was really significant because yeah, you had one significant. Frames. You could plink, which made it easier. But right now, since there's a three-frame input buffer, then it makes it, it compensates for that input delay because you can still finish your combos. Yeah, where it actually, I haven't like thought about plinking in this game like at all. There's a couple of things where I think about it, but it's it's because of like specific combo or OS situations. But I don't think yeah. about it in terms of actually doing combos because it's basically redundant at this point yeah some you don't need it i sometimes i sometimes do it by accident but do like by habit yeah i do i do i do drumming like i do 
when I do like a super, like I just want to make sure it gets in within the three frame input buffers. Yeah. So I'll just tap all three, like in in piano method, like you know, mm-hmm. like like a plink, because I just want to make sure the super comes out. You know. Yeah, I just double tap everything. That's, yeah. That was that's my that's been my go to for Street Fighter Five inputs is just oh yeah just fucking double tap everything. It's three frame buffer. That's you'll you'll catch it all if you just double tap. Which is the same effect of pianoing, basically. Um, yeah, right. exactly. Yeah, so that's uh, that's significant news, I think. Uh, yeah. So, but we'll It'd see. Do you think that affects Fang in any significant way? Because um, here's here's my ignorant position of of Fang, and you you tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, is that I see Fang as almost a uh, like a very active zoner who's just throwing up uh, a lot of different projectiles and things that cover different regions of the screen. Uh, not even like predictively, basically, not even on reaction. Just to say, I'll throw out the um, the hard punch version of the balls because you're on this region of the screen, and I guess if I see you react to it in any way, I know it's going to hit. I'll just dash in. Just and then react to it that way perhaps. But to me, he feels like he's, he covers regions of the screen that he can do predictively and not necessarily on reaction. Are there things that you think that Fang would benefit from with better reaction speeds? Or am I just being totally dumb about my perception of the character? Yeah. The thing is with Fang is that, you know, that he has, cross-up mix-ups with command dash. Like, you know he has the basic uh, carpet in the corner. Mm-hmm. Then he does a move, cancel, then to command dash, and he crosses you up, right? Mm-hmm. That would be maybe easier to block. Like some setups would be easier to block, but Fang in, in, in himself would benefit because of the fact that he does have fast normals that could potentially whiff punish mm-hmm. a lot of moves. Like stand so, strong. Just- yeah, stand strong, stand hard, punch out. Stand strong. Say. stand strong when you cancel the first hit, it actually pulls you in. You yes. know that it's two hits, but when you cancel the first one, it pulls you in. Mm-hmm. So when you always do stand strong into, into sleeves, you know that any other normal, if you do it strange and it hits, the sleeve will probably do one hit and it's not going to knock down. But when you do stand strong, when you cancel it, the first hit like pulls you forward, so you always get the two hits. So just imagine the fact that you have accessibility to actually whiff punish with that. Hmm. Or with sweep, which is a nine-frame sweep that reaches mad far. You got to worry so, about sweep, though, right, as Fang? Because that's something they have never fixed about, about Fang's <laughs> sweep. Yeah, that uh, the hurtbox goes and becomes active before the hitbox. No, I, when I think about Fang's sweep, I always think about uh, he lands a crush counter sweep on the first hit, and then the second hit whiffs. Yeah, and it's he's negative, and you get a punish, and you get a free punish. Yeah, that, that's kind of that's kind of bad, but <laughs> that's I mean, what I always think of. But get it, then again, that's a crush counter sweep, so you've pressed your sweep beforehand. It's not a whiff punish sweep, exactly. But then you get you also do get uh, it's one of the fa- farthest reaching loops. In- yeah, that has a feature to cancel into a combo. Yes. So I mean, it has its plus. It has its because he doesn't have like that's the that that was one of the banes I used to. Thing is that 
he only has crouching short and crouching roundhouse. And without a V-trigger stocked, they pretty much don't do anything. Because right. <laughs> you yeah. need a mini crouching short or a counter hit crouching short to get a, a light confirm. But now V-trigger 2 gives you access to crouching light, crouching jab, you know, right. uh, crouching short, crouching jab into up ball. So that's good. But the other one is a risk, which is sweet because crouching forward is a mid attack. Every other attack he has, which is the reason why people walk back versus fan. Because it's like, oh, you're going to catch me with a short. What next? You know, because you're not going to risk a sweep. Right. A sweep is minus 12. So I do feel the input delay would benefit Fang in some scenarios, but it would nerf him in others because coward crouch. Yeah, How many times do you hear people say, like, oh man, it's just he coward crouches right in front. And by the time I react, I get hit. Yeah. Now, let's say that it does give you time to react and maybe jump it or, or hit him and crush counter. Because if you hit him during crowd crouch, it's a counter hit every That's single time. Even, state, if yeah. do Even if he doesn't do anything, it's a crush counter. So there yeah, are plus. Listen, yeah, as a Zangief, I have, I have it trained in my mind. If I'm blocking something and I see him drop to the floor, ISPD. I'll be able to react to that much better. Or maybe much better. I don't know. I don't know how much better I'll react to that. I don't know if I can or will. Because I don't know what the input delay is or if or what it's going to be. But if it is reduced significantly, maybe you can't get away with that as often. Exactly. You might not be able to. You might be able to react better to carpets. And carpets are actually punishable. That's what I'm saying. That, that's that's actually I, something about the character I feel like people don't know, so maybe don't say that out loud. But that, that's people what, but don't that's, know the carpet's punishable. Shh. I know, but that's why I go back to if you do do if you do make a significant input delay reduction, mm -hmm. you have to tweak the moves because considering that with the carpet, imagine the fact that you could react to every carpet. It's a free punish if you do that. Mm-hmm. So those are the things that, like, that's what I'm saying. It might not be a significant reduction because they would have to tweak the characters, at least a few of them, and some moves. They would actually legit need to tweak in order to make them uh, balance out with the reduction. Yeah, because here's your worst-case scenario lack of foresight option is that they do significantly reduce it, but don't touch the normals at all and really change the game and like nerf hella. Like it basically nerfs a lot of characters and what they attempt to do in the neutral, or at least people have to rethink how they even approach certain characters because of what the normals are now. That's worst case scenario, uh, which like that could happen. That could happen. I'm not throwing it out the window. Yeah, I'm just thinking of the confirms, like just the just the characters that do confirm much for, mm -hmm. just to like even give them a, a wider window. So yeah, you know, it's 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 significant in that sense. If you if you get it to that point, you do come crouching forward with Karen and uh, and Cammy. Just imagine if you do the, the reduction and you keep the normals the same, then it it would actually make more people confirm those moves even. more. Potentially, let's right. say, because some people do argue that it might not really change. Some people say that even if you have a 
uh, change. It might not actually change as much as people think. Anti-airs will be better. Some people say that it's going to stay the same. I feel that Fang has the is one of the few characters with uh, normal attacks that are anti-airs. Like, I feel like Fang's anti-airs are extremely good. Yeah, I agree with you. I would actually like, think that Geef will also benefit from this. If I can react to jump-ins with a crouching hard punch more often, that puts me at a much bigger advantage. Because just they, imagine, land, they land so much closer. Just imagine if they had buffed the speed on it like they did Abigail. Crouch Fierce Abigail got sped up. So do don't the input even, Don't delay. even start with me on Abigail because you you still... Listen, it doesn't matter how much they reduce the input lag. You're not going to be able to whiff punish his stand hard punch because it doesn't have a hurt box. Mm-hmm. At some point, the hurt box is... It's out there for a couple frames and then like 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 magic vanishes from thin air and your normals will pass right through it. You know who punishes it? But he already, like... Fang, if he does coward crouch, it goes so yes, you can go underneath of it. Like when he charges the, I, I love it when Abigail's oh, char- it's free. It's free. Punch, it's a free punish. Uh, yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, we actually like, saw I, a I lot. Remember. We saw a lot of examples of that during our last week's online tournament. I saw a lot of that, and it, I I laughed all the way to the bank. It was hilarious. I eliminated Storm Kubo to make it in in Evo, and I eliminated nice. one of the matches I won was because of that, and I mean. That's awesome. like I got the round. I was like, oh, okay. He was like, ah, oh, because then that takes away like a huge option that a lot of Abigails will go with because it's really hard to whiff punish and it has armor on startup, has a pretty good hitbox. It's very far reaching, but then Fang can just crouch it and then you watch him with it and then you break dance all over his ass and it is so good. I do like that a lot. Um. Okay, so that's input lag. It might, it's one of the, it's a toss up. We'll see on the 23rd. I don't know. It could be a good situation for the game. Uh, it could totally upend the game right before a premiere. It, I, I don't know. They could reduce it, but then also not, not change the variable input delay. Like, that would be a crazy fucking situation if it's like oh we reduced to three frames but then like 60 seconds in it's it's up to six frames of of input lag which it would just be bonkers if that's the case we'll we'll see when that report comes out i i know that weed wants to get on to get on that almost immediately so we shall see at least within the first day that dude works very quick uh but other than that I only I have a couple other things to talk about. I guess I'll I'll just share it in the show notes. We don't have to talk about it because we mostly talked about Fang and his position like on the tier list and different matchups. We've done enough lip service to that, but I do want to point out an article. Uh, wish that's what that's all I want. Uh, uh, yeah, I know. Of who is the best Zeku um, by Saint Cola uh, on Twitter. Follow that guy. He makes a does some good write-ups, but interviewed Angry Bird and Big Bird. Uh, don't confuse the two. They're not the same person. Uh, but they share their thoughts on the character and like where he de- deals with in matchups. So I'll just direct people to read that uh, just because it's a good article. And the other thing I want to bring up, uh, which we might want to maybe talk about, I don't know if that we have a lot to say on this, but just that Echo Fox 
very recently changed a lot of their, uh, actually, I guess I should read the, the full statement. Nah, it's a little bit long. But they dropped a lot of, of players. And not only fighting game players, they dropped a lot of like other... They just rearranged everything, right? Uh, they dropped all of their Call of Duty players, all of Gears of War. Uh, they dropped League of Legends player Think Card. They dropped Punk, Theo, Scar, JDCR, and Saint. So they're out of Tekken now. Yeah. Which... JDCR and Saint, in my opinion, are like number one and two Tekken players, maybe, like as of right now, but dropped them all. So big shakeup for them in terms of FGC presence, uh, which I imagine those players will get picked up by teams. It would be crazy if they didn't, in my opinion, but I don't know. We'll see. It's just this weird shakeup late in the season that um, maybe they had to change things around for their fourth quarter. I think that's probably why that makes sense is that this is coming right after probably third quarter reports uh, and just financially speaking, them looking at players, looking at salaries, uh, support for all of that, looking at, uh, what income they are getting from sponsors from like outside outside money because uh, they had to report that all to their investors probably in the third quarter and then their investors were probably like ooh mm, over here we're not pulling in a lot and then just changing it up like that's just just how the the esports finances kind of work um, there's a lot of good writing on that. If you, if that's something that you are interested in, because it is kind of, it's kind of a bananas economy in like esports and player sponsorships. Um, and I guess, am I, Hey, am I qualified to talk about player sponsorships? Having sponsored a lot of players like this particularly i don't know that's the thing is that i don't actually know if i'm qualified to talk about this like from like a perf like am i a professional at this i mean i don't know i don't think i'm professional at this but uh regardless though uh i it is unfortunate for those players uh but Hopefully they'll get picked up or maybe they want to be free agents for a little bit. Who knows? Uh, but Echo Team Echo Fox will be shook up for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, if you look at it, the, there's also something with regards to the player. And I remember. I'm sorry, what was that? You dropped out for a little bit. <clears throat> I remember there was like a debate a little while ago of how players can get sponsored. Yeah. Uh, it was on Twitter back then, like yeah. a few like a few weeks ago, I remember. Yeah, this is fairly recent. And if even it was a few weeks ago, it might have been last week. It's also it's also the fact that um, you know that players have to be like to a certain extent in social media they have to be, you know. Yeah, they have to be so professional. I, they have to keep it. Yeah, but they have to be engaging. You know, that's one thing that you that yeah, you hear a lot. It's not because sometimes you will hear people on Twitter be like, "Ah, oh, I do so so well in tournaments," or "I do so much better than this person." That Why would somebody else? That part doesn't matter. <laughs> Tournament placement is not the only qualifier of yeah, if you are qualified to be a sponsored player or not. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, look at look at players that actually mm-hmm. a bit. Like uh, I remember, he, I remember Krishi when he started. Like he wasn't too active on Twitter, and I, I know other players weren't. But now you see like a big difference in how you see them on social media and yeah. stuff. Like I feel like it's something that you have to do in order to stay relevant, I guess, with the FGC or with people that are, or fans. Like if you're if you have fans, fans, it's like really not helpful. Well, because here's the here's the financial map to that, right? Is that if you are someone who has high engagement, if you have a lot of people showing up to your stream on the weekly, if you have a lot of people uh, watching your matches or searching your matches, that's another thing. Uh, if you have a lot of people who react positively to you when you show up on stream. Uh, and if you have a presence on Twitter or Instagram at all, specifically on Instagram, that's like a thing that you can do now. Yeah, um, you see players like you see players like uh, like Smug's super active in Instagram and all that. Yeah. Like he's he's a fun guy to follow because he always has like all these like mini adventures. He he does clips of his own stream. It's very like that's what I'm saying. That stuff. And you see Chris G like every time he lands like when I remember buffed <laughs> guy. And they buffed the EX flash kick into boom. He was like the first clip I saw on Twitter. And I was like, see? I mean, and this is the type of thing, like when you post up tech, when you post up uh, anything. Right, that, that, gets, that gets engagement. But to that point, though, to, to wrap it back into the finances, is that when you are out there more and you are tied to a sponsor and then you also have, oh, on your stream also you have that little Kenba logo or you have that little HyperX logo on your stream. That's, that's, uh, that's people spending time with their eyeballs looking at something that has an investor's name on it, which yeah. is what people who control the money like to see that part makes sense yeah product placement yeah. uh you know that that's obviously something because you want to make sure that it's getting out to the target market to the consumer that you want to i mean let, mm-hmm. uh, let's put it to this way the demographic of the competitive gamer or serious gamer in general is 18 to 38 i think yes Pretty, maybe could be even more up to four probably i i've been because here's here's the other thing that i'll talk about is that when i personally advertise uh is that i do it through facebook honestly and when i do that advertising i set it in between that 14 to 45 age age range oh, that's my target that's that's my personal target market and if you yeah, think about the target it market in gaming is a huge gap and that's a, what i'm saying yeah it's a lot of people with a lot of money but then you think about the people who are investing in these player sponsorships it actually has to financially for them make more sense to sponsor a player than it does to buy a facebook ad which is yeah. significantly less expensive than that with potentially like way higher targeted marketing. So it's, it's one of those things that like from a marketing perspective, I mean, the key word is actually return on it. Yeah. The ROI is like not fucking there. 
like in a lot of instances. And if you're the kind of player who is pushing like people away, if you're like, Oh, I have my niche community of people who only like are only grassroots. It's like, yo, there's not enough eyeballs on your grassroots to get any money invested in you. So there's that. I don't know. I'm sorry. Was that what you were? I'll let you speak on that for a moment. No, no. I mean, I mean, I mean, you're not, you're not wrong. I mean, like I said, keyword is return on investment. Like how much of of what you're and and to be honest, like a few of the things that I saw on Twitter were not wrong with a few of the things when the whole Echo Fox thing started. Like Echo Fox, I still remember when they did announce all the players. Everybody was like, "Wow, they got like a huge squad." You know, they, they bought everybody. They had every every significant top player of like every category, pretty much. Yeah. At the moment, and like. You won't be you. You can't like be too surprised at the fact that they might shorten it because, like, I feel like in a marketing standpoint, they did. They started off with all the big names, everybody that made a mark, and then right now, like, I saw the statement that they posted up, and it, like, to a business standpoint, I guess it makes sense. Point because they did like have a huge roster, so it's really hard to like keep up with the management for all of them probably the costs uh categories that might not be as um as how can i say flourishing at the moment i guess we're like like you know like uh, categories are let's say um let's say they announce a new mk for example like you know that uh or or other games that you know that regards let's say you still had like a player sponsored for let's just say a game that's not like currently too active right mm-hmm. so maybe that in that sense like either the players actually or more the trending games or you kind of have to cut i mean I, I really don't know what's going on through their mind i just feel like it just no gets i think to, that's true i think that's true I because mean, like right now the flavor of the the flavors are Practically Street Fighter, Tekken, Dragon Ball, and uh, and Smash, obviously Smash. See, but that's like, crazy, I don't think that's crazy to me because I feel like Tekken has had this continual slow burn. That's only it's only gotten more and more popular. Exactly, that and is they true. Drop both of their Tekken players. But then, but then you wonder like where? Because that's the thing. That's what I'm saying. Like yeah. actors to put it to to put in when you're sponsoring a player. Like okay, they're getting results, but how active are how much engagement? Yeah, that, that's a good point. That's How much accessibility point. do they get with if if your sponsors are let's say like your sponsors are based in North America, which don't actually get as much interest if you, if they if they're in, if they're more engaging in a country where the sponsors mm-hmm. not, then why would the, you know you know what I'm saying? Because like here in Puerto Rico, like one thing like. You do in, in any country. There are sponsors that are more focused on local exposure and sales, yeah, than international exposure. That is another ex- thing that I feel like is important to bring up is that region-based <clears throat> investments are totally a thing. Like, and they definitely help out smaller communities too. Like from from the ground up, that is totally a thing. Don't want to overlook that in this conversation. Just just housing this conversation in that that totally exists. You are you are correct. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's there's a lot of factors to put in. Like, I'm pretty. Mm-hmm. 
who knows if they come back to Echo Fox at some point? Who knows if they get if they what if they even had offers? Because like, let's not forget that when a few players like before the Echo Fox roster was announced, mm-hmm. you would be like, oh, I got um, the, I'm parting ways with such and such. Wow, why would this? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Echo Fox is announced, and then you see the roster like all of a sudden, and everybody knew about Echo Fox like within like two days. That's true. So, so um, I mean, they're, they're still in the news. People are talking about. We are talking about Echo Fox. Granted, it's about their somewhat lack of players, but they're still in the news. Exactly, but 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 that's the thing. Like, there could be so many, still strong. But there could be so many things. Like you, you sometimes don't even know if the parting ways thing is. Um, like they don't have anything else in mind. Like because when they when some of the players did go to Echo Fox. They dropped out from their sponsors, or people thought that the sponsor dropped them. It was like, oh, probably I think it was like four days a week, and then after that, be like, oh, I'm signed up with, you know, this this one in particular feels like it was a financial decision because I think it was Saint who posted a thing on Twitter that was like, I am shocked, I am shocked about this. Oh wow! And he was like, "I loved every moment at Echo Fox." Yeah, it was Saint uh, who said, "As of today, I am no longer sponsored by Echo Fox." Though it hurts to write this, I understand the team decision to move forward. I'll always remember how it felt to wear the colors proudly, living my pro game pro gamer dream. The last two years have been a blessing. I'll never forget. Thank you, Echo Fox. Okay. Well, that may. Maybe he just was, gosh, I don't know. Maybe you could paint it that way. Perhaps he is talking to people in the back end. He might, he was, might have been warned about this. I don't know. Um, I don't know. It's yeah, kind of I, up in the air. And it's, it's finances that we'll never know about and no one's ever going to surface. So it's all yeah, conjecture at this point. So That's not something that anybody knows, like pretty much anything. Like, I, I wouldn't commentate as much because I really like how, how it works. Like, I personally have not been. Um, it's like being sponsored by reddit obviously this year but like uh, let me tell you there's we're not making money (laughs) i'll I'll say that we're making just enough money to sponsor you guys (laughs) i mean that's good to appreciate it also that that all comes at the hands of the people who are donating money and and buying the the cool t-shirts and stuff so like like thank like Thank the community. The community has really yeah. stepped up and really kicked some ass. Uh, just this season in general, like yeah, all the way back people. from Chris CCH to Evo to this is just, they've really poured out a lot of love onto a lot of players. And this being kind of the last gas at the end of the, the pro tour has been, it's been really cool. We're finishing strong and I don't know. It's, that part when I think about like there are a lot of things that I can think about to like get down on the community about and be like kind of there's a lot of things to be sad about in life in general but when I think about what the like the strides that this community has made to like really help people and and like really make significant changes or like provide things for people she's just tight yeah it is I mean I I, I said it like when when the campaign was going and people voted, I was like, 
can't believe like and this is that's what i love about yeah moves forward to you know push so that players like do get more exposure like you see these campaigns like help so much for players to get that much exposure which who knows eventually might actually because of this exposure, get a sponsorship because they actually get to travel and get that exposure. So yeah, that's the, that's the dream. That's the ideal situation. Like honestly, right now, uh, from former sponsors that we've, we've had, I think that neon is in a very good position to be sponsored, to be picked up. I yeah. think that Chicote is in a very good position to be sponsored. They both have very active followings. I think that what they do as players outside of the game and in the game uh, really lend to them to being attractive to... Yeah, draws attention. Yeah, attractive to teams, yeah. But, all right, so that covers... I think that just about covers that topic, unless there's anything else you would like to speak on. Uh, no, I think, I think I'm good. I mean, I mean, it's like I said, the whole uh, team sponsorship, uh, even the... It's not even the teams. The esports structure in general is really complicated <laughs> because, like, it's a gro- it's still a grow it's still a growing niche. I mean, obviously, it's way bigger now, but mm-hmm. FTC is the smallest group of the esports ecosystem. You know, the esports environment. Like, it, it was the last one to actually get in. You know, in that sense, because you know that it was all. I mean, shooters, uh, MMOs. And just like maybe the last three years, pretty much, is when fighting games like actually FTC got a bit more taste of the esports side. Right. So it's it's all growing. I guess we're we're basically all brand new to this, and it's it's been a learning experience. Even though the FTC, like as an entity, has been around for a very long time, just we're not used to. Yeah, that's pretty much all I have on the topic. All right. Well, then let's get to the exit of the show. Uh, By the way, thank you for staying on for so long. This is something I didn't ask you previously about how much time you've you've set aside for this. I didn't realize we'd be talking for for two hours. Usually I shoot for one, but we got an extra long episode for the listeners this week, which it's all been very good conversation, and I appreciate that. But I have to ask you... The two questions I ask every person who is their first time on the show, two questions. The first question is, what is your favorite normal attack in any fighting game? Okay. Uh, to me, the best normal that I would say, favorite attack would be M. Bison CVS2, his pink defense move, but I don't know what it was called. It yeah, was. I, I don't know exactly either, but I know what you're talking about. So but explain I, explain the reasoning why. The reason why I love it was because of the fact that as soon as... Like, first of all, I, I began my love for Bison because of CBS 2 okay. Like, I started... But I got into the scene way too late. Like, hmm. when the scene was dying, that's when I got in. So, but I used to love A-Groove. And when I saw, like, Boss play for the first time doing the paint defense combo, I was like, yo, that move, Bison, and just the voice acting, the Psycho Crusher. It's just the Psycho Crusher, the, the Norio Wakamoto, one of my favorite voice actors because he voice act, he's the voice actor for M. Bison. He's also the voice actor for Cell in oh. Dragon Ball. 
I was Didn't like, that. Huh. exactly. So that's literally I picked Cell in Dragon Ball because hmm. probably wouldn't have picked him other way. That's pretty cool. But exactly, and uh, he's done voices for other characters as well. He's he's also Johnny from. Oh, I love Johnny too, man. This makes so much sense. He yeah, plays all I the mean, coolest ass characters. Man, which what, is why I'm what a cool movie. fucking job that guy has. He plays the most badass characters. I know, I know, I know. But yeah, <laughs> but, but those are literally the huh. one of my favorite uh, favorite attacks. I would say Bison Psycho Crusher from CBS Two as well. I mean, I, it's just Bison in general. Yeah, Vega's pretty cool. Also in that game, I used to love his wind yeah. pose when you would see the the snake come out from the tattoo. Yeah. Yeah, Vega in that game too. Just his normals are so good. Bison and Vega both have some really good strong normals. Their neutral is pretty fucking good. Yeah, I, I love that game. I really do. Yeah. And um, but my favorite game is Third Strike by far. So well, then let me just kind of side question: What's your favorite normal attack in Third Strike? Well, my favorite character, which is going to probably contradict no bison I, bison's dead no 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 that's what i that's what i know but you know that the characters i usually play in other games are not necessarily the highest tier characters fair enough yes in third strike i use yun yun yurian q12 like i i do use the too but my main character was yun and that's it was fair. because yeah, but then coming back to it, then I was like, I remember I was having this because I used to like people were like, I really don't get your playstyle because you the characters you choose in different games like sometimes make people think that you just like low tiers, but you don't because then you look at the other to be, you, yeah. and they're actually tops. So and then somebody did said like randomly, you just like using cocky characters, don't you? I'm like, huh. Because I use Lee Chao Lan in Tech. I use Frieza in Dragon Ball. I use uh, Bison and Fong. And I used uh, Yin. And if you come to think of it, they're kind of all kind of cocky. Yeah, they all have that swagger about them that is indicative of someone who's got a little... They're feeling themselves a little bit. Exactly. They kind of have that style to them, but they're kind of all like... uh, very confident in themselves. Yeah, Even though they're in a negative yeah. way, but they're confident. Yeah. Like, they don't see themselves losing. That's, that's what I kind of, like, like about those characters. So, I guess that's pretty much what... But, but my favorite attack in Third Strike, I would have to say... Would be... Hmm. To be honest, I love the Yin shoulder, because, like, my favorite combo of all is Jenny Jin Kong. Oh, like the yeah. Karapom. Well, that kind of leads into the second question, which is, what is your favorite combo in any fighting game? Well, I would have to say Yin, Jin, Jin. Yeah. And second favorite combo would be definitely Bison Pants. Yeah. That, but with, that tracks with, with your first answer. <laughs> exactly. It does. Because, I mean, you know, because aside that the, the looks cool, it also is that. But with... Uh, with um with yin when i played third strike i was a pad player because i played on so i i practiced and i do karapam pad i can still do it so people were always like 
when I when I began to travel, like people were like, "Oh, you're the guy that I heard had." Huh. I didn't I didn't know that was a weird thing to do. Back then. Yeah, no, that's a weird thing. <laughs> so because I practiced it a lot, and like I remember, I was once in Evo, and I was Brian Hart and Tex, and I was like, I, I know I caught Gutex at some point in the combo. He beat me in the set, but I know I caught him at mm-hmm. Car Palm, and I remember like. Um, Ryan Hart was like sitting back and then all of a sudden he's like, oh wait, he's doing it. Like, just like shoots oh. forward like, this pad player just did a car palm? Yeah. The fucking what? And, like everybody does the same expression. Like you you see, even when you're doing it to the person, like they lean back like, what? Did you just do that? Like, I remember like when I would play matches and would do it on pad, people would like actually lean back, be like, wait, did he just car palm? Yeah, no, that's and, sick. Like, but the combo that's really hard to do I literally had to like practice it more on stick was the keeper gin combo. That that combo's like doing Kara fierce, like stand fierce, but you have to Kara with stand strong to do it again. Mm-hmm. That's like a really hard combo, but it's really cool. Like it's definitely. And I always look forward to watching Cooperation Cup in January. That's like the oh, tournament. Oh my God. I you and me both, sleep. brother. That is my favorite competition to watch. That It re-energizes me. It gets, it, for whatever reason, that's the, because tor- it, it sets off the year. It's like right at the start of the year. It just, it gets me going. It gets it me just going, reminds man. Me of all the love for Third Strike. There's honest. so like- many players who are just so excited about playing. It's a team tournament. They get like weird team combinations together. It, oh, it's so good. But, but do, you, do you, have you seen the pre-Cooperation Cup, right? You, yeah, yeah. Where it's like, just, uh, just the Yuns, just the Qs, just the the. Rings. I actually, I love that concept in Third Strike and I wish it would be done in the newer games, but I guess the gameplay is kind of boring in the sense that the play styles are not, not boring, but some people like, I, I would still do it, but I still feel like people are like, Ah, but the play styles are more or less the same. But in Third Strike, you would see so many different styles of Qs versus so many different styles of, like, Dudleys. And it would, like, be so cool because you get to see the matchup. Yeah. At the highest level in different play styles and strategies. And it's a first to one. They play first to one. One and you're out, which kind of lends to the team structure of, well, you, you just play the one. Like so I literally, anything could happen there. A bad matchup could be, you could swing it in one. But then, but if you see like a whole team body, another team, it's like, wow, this matchup is really bad. Like I remember, I saw, I did not know Necro versus Chun was that bad up until I saw it at Cooperation. It's pretty bad. That matchup is extremely bad because of the fact that Stan Strong does not hit Chun Li when she's crouched. Or, Even if you get the target combo of back short into strong, if she, you caught her crouching, it whiffs, and she gets crouched. Yeah. So you literally can't use your normals. Back fierce stuffs your normals. Even if she parries it, she gets to do back fierce, and, mm-hmm. and it hits the hurt box into super. She can literally block stand fierce to do super, or crouch fierce, or crouch crowd's house. I think. And she can just do super after blocking. Like... I used to, I, I love that event. Which like, her super yeah. leads to good damage and mix-ups. It's a whole thing. You don't want to be hit by it. Well, um, if she has two bars, two full bars, you're dead. Because if yeah. she lands the first one, she gets the reset the into the 50-50 meaty universal overhead or crouching forward into super. So yeah, you you're literally, you, if she catches you with that at the beginning of the round, near the corner, 
if you get if you get hit by the reset. That's just if you hit the wrong button and she blocked. Mm-hmm. On block, didn't have to parry it, just blocked it. Uh, not not even pressing a button. You just stood up for one second. <laughs> yeah, that too. Because it's crouch forward confirmed the the amount of time for the hit. Conf- you can do it. It is doable, especially because exactly. they play on cabinets. Like there, it's there's very very low latency. Speaking of exactly. the latency talk we had earlier, but also it. Ah, yeah, man, you get to see so many different types of matchups. Q versus yeah. Makoto, but then it's even cooler when like someone overcomes a bad matchup, and it's like, yo, did you see that shit? Did you see yeah, the reverse wow. OCV of that bad matchup? And it's, <clears throat> oh, it's exciting. It's I just, think I saw the, there was a reverse OCV from Pierrot yeah. last year. Yeah, that, he that, got that, that was, with that Remy. Remy. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was some hot shit. It's just, you know what, it, it, the thing is that the game in itself has way too many mechanics that you love. I wish charge partitioning was available yeah. in the newest games. Yeah, because that to me was, it made charge characters just as unpredictable as DP characters. Yeah, that'd characters be fun. That'd be fun if they added that. There's like, you maintain charge for a little bit, but it's not partitioning well, that's charge that's buffer a, that's a different thing a lot of people yeah. confuse the two yeah because charge that's partitioning is that you chop the charge in times right but the buffer is like charge buffer is when you dash ultra in street fighter 4 or when you do like the stand jab into headbutt with it's, a, it's still mm-hmm. a charge buffer yeah you've but just charge maintain buffer. charge over a certain amount of time and not split the charge between two different times it's it's a different thing yeah like you dash also, twice i, I also kind of fucking miss dash up ultra yeah <laughs> I, I do kind of miss that like with vega Balrog. dash up ultra one i like that that was good like with uh, balrog that you would see people throw a projectile and you yeah yeah like somebody like pr balrog always dash up ultra and, oh my god yeah when he did that shit that was pretty hot uh there was some we miss a lot of things about older games, but yeah, so that I agree with you. Very good answer on the combo, which led into a whole other conversation, but we have to end the show. Okay. Uh, and I will thank you again for your time. It has been a pleasure having you on the show, but before you go, you need to tell people where people can find you on the internet. Oh, of course. Uh, well, if they want to follow Twitter, they could find me on Twitter at mono PR. Uh, you can also follow me on YouTube. Actually, my YouTube. You've got a couple. I mean, and I have Gamers Grid TV. Mm-hmm. Camp is actually present. And if I manage to do what I said earlier, which is to start it again with Fang and Bison, you best be sure it's going to be. Mm-hmm. So which you stated at the top of the show that you'd probably get back to. In November, hopefully. Yes. Right. Uh, so, so, yeah, probably mostly Twitter on Twitch at the. I'm sorry, um, say that again? And Twitch, it's twitch.tv PR. Okay, slash mono I'm, PR. I'm, yeah, every Tuesday I'm doing like online free tournament scene. Awesome. Uh, actually, this Tuesday we added Dominican Panama, so we had some from the... As you run well. your tournaments um, on Tuesday? Online? Yeah, Tuesdays. Yeah, Tuesdays online. That's fucking wild to me, because I always feel like the... The patches come on Tuesdays. You run yeah, a buck wild actually, lifestyle, sir. 
you actually, are living on the edge. Yeah, I'm risking. Yeah, because one <laughs> of the one of the tournaments was with the patch of yeah Darkstalkers. I think it was. And that, we yeah, like, oh. I because fuck man, I actually I had to reschedule and ran my tournament on that day, and it was bu- shit got buck wild. Yeah, <laughs> the internet was like, remember, like whoa, hey, like, the game no, was what? like, no sir. We actually rescheduled it and we started like at ten. <laughs> yeah, no, we had to push ours back like at least a half an hour. Yeah, man, I remember that day. Yeah, oh, man, you are living on the edge, running your tor- yeah, online but, tournaments but on a Tuesday, sir. That but, is. But I'm a but I'm a bison player, so for me it was. <laughs> that's pretty. All right, that's it. a show. Fuck, fuck you. Fuck the show. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very yeah. good pun to end on. Again, thank you so much for your time uh, yeah, coming up you. on the show and talking about uh, the the Am region in general, Fang, all that shit. Very good talk. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on the show. And also, fuck you for that pun. That was yeah. so good. I, I hate you for it. Don't <laughs> <laughs> give me that much credit, Dan. Ah, no, because I I love the Street Fighter movie. It holds a very <laughs> special no, place in my heart. Movie. It's so good. But, but if we're going to be honest, the best video game adaptation into a movie has been... <clears throat> what was that? If we're going to talk about this certain part, the best video game adaptation in Hollywood, to me, has been Mortal Kombat. Oh, definitely. By definitely. Far. I, I admit, that's like qualitatively speaking the best yep the street fighter movie is it just has a special place in everybody's qualitatively maybe the worst <laughs> maybe. but it holds a special place in everybody's heart yeah what i loved about that movie is that the characters the actors really resemble the character yeah like the geef oh my god i forgot in that movie they call him the iron fist <laughs> Yeah. He's the best cage fighter since the Iron Fist. What happened yeah, to the but, Iron Fist? Yeah, but DJ... He retired exactly and became me. Exactly. The, the DJ, um, Honda... Uh, really there's that one line where they say T-Hawk. <laughs> where yeah. They say, oh, this character is T-Hawk, by the way, in case you missed it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. That's true. But oh, some characters man. were good spitting images. Should have yeah. That's true. It was a there that that is a whole that whole movie is a story in and of itself. That whole Raul Julia, it being his last movie mostly, and people like, why would he take such a a bad role for his last film? And it was he was like because I want I knew my kids liked Street Fighter and I could have them around during filming, and he like basically did it for his kids because he knew it was going to be his last movie because he knew he was dying, and it breaks my fucking heart. It's fucking crazy. But even so, he rocked the MVC. Oh my god, he did so good. It was he did such so a good. good job. You know he's Puerto Rican, right? Yes. That's also a plus. Okay. That, no, this you know what? All of all of this all of what you're throwing at me is like lining up now. I'm I'm seeing it all. You're seeing the pattern. It's yeah, there's a pattern here. It's all falling into place. It all makes sense. Okay. No wonder why you just bison and shadowloo and everything's shadowloo because of Raul Julia. He has the bison dollars on his account. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the bison we will kidnap the queen. <laughs> fucking that movie uh it's not worth the paper it's printed on uh okay um 
we have yeah, to, know, we have to end this show. I have a bad habit of not being able to end this show because of shit like this. So thank you again for showing up on the shit and talking uh, about all those topics for so long yeah. Uh, yeah, and for extending for this show into uh, exactly where it needed to be. Uh, Thank you. Uh, We will be back next Thursday with another edition of RSF Radio. Again, check the tournaments on Mondays and Fridays. But that's the show, folks. You can find me at SuperJoeMonday on Twitter or RedditSF on Twitter. And that's the show. Until next time, folks, take care. Take care.